Our Bible reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 2, and I'll be reading verses 8 to 18. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what he had been told about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. This is the word of our Lord. Good morning. So this is the second in uh, three over this Christmas period. And today it's Christmas, a time for salvation. I preached on salvation recently in our sermon series on Philippians, so today I'll take a, a little bit different reason. I think about clever ways that we can say all the things we need to say, but I'm reminded that Scripture says it. <laughs> we don't need to reinvent it. And... Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about being saved. Scripture clearly tells us what that really is. And so I'd like to go through some of the scriptures that talk about salvation. But just before I do, I'll just say to you, and some of you may know that um, I used to work in many years ago as a journalist with the Herald in Sydney, and I was one of the most skeptical people on earth. <laughs> So when we talk about a time of salvation and a time of peace and a time of faith, uh, I wasn't in that place. And I know many of you were in that place also. You, you thought you could earn a place with God and knock yourself out doing it. And of course, I wasn't even there. Well, let's, let's just listen to what some of the things the Bible says about being saved. And the thing that you'll note as I do that is that the message of salvation is not just something that suddenly sprang up in New Testament times. It's all of the Bible, if you read it, is littered, is, is saturated with God's plan to rescue us. Let's listen here. Some quick ones here. 2 Samuel 22 you save the humble, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. 
So being humble is important. 1 Chronicles 16, cry out, save us, God our Saviour. Gather us and deliver us that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Psalm 6, turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Psalm 31, give ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock and refuge, a strong fortress to save me. How many of us have needed a place of strong fortress when we had so little strength? Psalm 34, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I know there are circumstances in all of your lives where you have felt crushed and brokenhearted. But we have a God who saves. Psalm 34, the Lord, uh, sorry, uh, Psalm 55, and as for me, I will call on God because the Lord saves me. Isaiah 45, God says, turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Matthew 1, it talks about Mary. Now that we're coming into the period of Christmas, especially we remember this. It says, she, talking about Mary, will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. The, G the name Jesus actually means rescuer, saviour. Mark 16, whoever believes and is baptised will be saved, but whoever does not believe will remain condemned. John 10, 9, I am the gate, Jesus says. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Acts 21, oh, sorry, Acts 2. This is the time when the church is growing so fast because they know what it is to be saved and they have something to share and they have joined in with God through the power of his Holy Spirit, sharing the news. And it says in Acts 2, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Can I see anyone here who's not everyone? Who does not qualify? Everyone. God says everyone. It is conditional, calling upon the Lord. But everyone. And sometimes we feel in our minds that maybe this person doesn't quite qualify. God says everyone. We need to change our thinking. Acts 4. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven, given to mankind, humanity, by which we must be saved. And Romans 10, everyone who calls on the name, once again, will be saved. In 1 Corinthians, we're told the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Ephesians 2 says, for it's by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this doesn't come from yourself, it's a gift of God. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier. There is a tendency in religious societies and religious areas, in, in churches of some, some sorts, in the way that we've been brought up even, to think that we can power ourselves into being good people. And if we can only be good enough, if we can only reach that benchmark, then we'll find pleasure with God. But God turns everything on its head and says, I'm the one who brings salvation. 
what I require of you is to come to me. So what does all this have to do with Christmas? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Uh, it's the central, the central message of Christmas. Uh, so when you're going through the, the uh, through them all, and there's jingle bells and a few other things playing, and people are starting to think, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe there's a God out there, you know, past all this stuff that's happening at the moment. And maybe even you as a Christian, as you walk through them all. Uh, it's very easy to miss the fact that it's not just about a baby who comes. It's not just about a myth. It's not about a, a, a story uh, that is true historically. Um, but it's actually about salvation. The nativity narrative makes a major claim that cannot be ignored. This is the other side of it that you won't necessarily see at them all. And the claim is this, that the world is not right. And we are not right. And a, and a man by the name of Cornelius Platinga, Jr., He's a senior research fellow at Calvin Institute and previous past president of Calvin Theological Seminary. He says in his book, not the way it's supposed to be, our world has been vandalized by sin. We have perverted, polluted, and disintegrated God's shalom, God's peace, God's health that he intended, and even our own shalom. Do you feel that sometimes through life, that there's a peace and there's a wholeness and there's a health that we do not necessarily have? But wholeness and health and healing and salvation, shalom, is what God intended from the start. Now, Platinga may be a little on the negative side. <laughs> I, it's good to know these things, that there is a disruption in the world and it's not what it should be. But what we want to talk about today is the hope that God brings through his salvation. We've been drawing on Rick Warren's study, The Purpose of Christmas. So you see, the purpose of Christmas is not just to book ahead for being in heaven. It's not like reserving a ticket you know, for an event at the stadium. And one day we'll get there. It is that. But God wants you and I to enjoy salvation and all that that entails, the shalom, the wholeness, the health. Now, he offers that. See, Jesus' birth is not just a, a little child and a peaceful scene but the cradle is occupied by Christ because our world is at odds with God. It's at odds with Christ. Jesus had the temerity and the gall and the courage to come into a world that basically hated him. And we were in that position too, if, we've, if we're really honest about it. He came into the world to begin the process that would lead to his death and that would lead to his resurrection and that would therefore give us some hope. And if that had not happened, we would not have hope. So why did God choose to come? 
I think it's found in, in the verse uh, in John 3.16. How many of us were brought up with that as, ch as children? I think we're very familiar with it. Maybe we're a little bit too familiar with it. You see, it's a, it has become a cliche. It's become a, something that you hold up on a sign. It's become something that people hand you on a tract as they beat you about the head with a Bible. <laughs> it's, it's become something that's almost Christianese. But there is such earth-shattering, history-shattering truth within it. As I used to tell my, my children and, and, and teach them scripture, you know, we used to get excited about this verse at the end because, you know, it used to talk about, it talked about God coming with such great love, you know, abundant love, and they would get excited about that. Uh, it's great to, for them to know and for us to know God exists, God loves, he loves the world, the world is the object of his love. And in John's writing, the world speaks of forces, powers, attitudes, injustices, and beliefs that are in complete opposition to God. But the second half of this verse talks about God gave. He wasn't under any compulsion. It wasn't like the slot machine where we could pull the lever and get what God wants. We needed what God wanted to give us. But God had to decide to give us, and he didn't have to, but he did. So who do we become when he came? Later in the New Testament, John writes in 1 John 1.13a, what kind of love the Father has, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. And so I give a reminder that if you've actually surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, then you are, in fact, a son of God. <clears throat> and I must say here, this is not just a male child. It's not some weird thing that, you know, we, we have to become somehow male. Um, it, it speaks of family connections. It speaks of intimacy. It speaks of dependency. It speaks of inheritance as an heir. Isn't that wonderful? That because Jesus came and what followed in his life, that you and I can enjoy a family connection with God. Some of our families are great. Some of our families are not so great. But we have, whatever our circumstances, an invitation to become part of the family of God. And that involves, as I said, intimacy and a dependency, a healthy dependency, and an inheritance. We are heirs of God. In our first sermon, Pastor Joel looked at the purpose of Christmas uh, in terms of celebration. And of course, that was the first part of, of three parts. The first part is uh, celebration, and speaking especially from Luke 2, 10, uh, where the angels said, don't, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. That's something to celebrate for all people. It's for everyone. It's for you. And salvation today, today your Saviour, your Lord Messiah, was born in the city of David, Luke 2.11. And in that statement we discover the second purpose of salvation. And the angels said that uh, Jesus had been born 
for you. It's a personal thing. And finally, of course, we'll talk about reconciliation. So what does it mean to be saved? Well, it's a synonym for, as I said, rescued, delivered, set free, released. And I, I just sort of reflect on your words, Joel. You know, those are things that we need now. But when you and I are in heaven with God because of what he's done and, and our acceptance of it, uh, it, the Bible tells us there won't be any more crying. Uh, not because we'll stop, <laughs> put stoppers in our eyes, but because there will be no more reason to cry. We'll be with happiness in him. So there's a lot of things that people think they need to be saved from, and you probably have your own ideas. But salvation uh, uh, is, is actually three-dimensional. You see, you're saved from something, and you're saved for something, and you're saved by something. Well, let's have a look at the first one. Jesus came to save you from your sins. Now, what is sin? And uh, Rick Warren says, you know, he used to think it was don't drink, don't cuss, don't smoke or chew, or run around with girls that do. <laughs> and <laughs> a little bit twee, but, <laughs> but you get the point. You know, it, we can sort of reduce everything down to being good. And really, that's not what it's about. See, if that was the case, the dead would qualify as being very righteous, wouldn't they? Because they don't cuss and they don't chew. <laughs> and they don't run around with guys or girls who do whatever. The dead would be very righteous. But, you know, you've got your list of things that uh, are wrong in life. And I have mine. And people think your list is worse than the mind, that's the usual perspective. But really, sin is an attitude, it's a sin problem. It's saying, I want to be my own boss. I don't need God. I'll be my own God, I'll call my own shots. God knows what is going to make me happy. God, I know what's going to make me happy more than you do. And so I'll do with my life what I want. I won't take into consideration what you want. And when I was years ago working as a journalist, being very sceptical, that's the life that I was living. And ultimately I found it uh, didn't really satisfy. It was fairly empty, even though I had a lot of things. And I certainly didn't know the wonderful uh, presence of God and the assurance that he gives us as well. So the Bible says that every one of us has an attitude at some time or other in our lives of I'll do my own thing and God you can just stay at a distance please and that's a, a very challenging thought isn't it because you see it's everyone it means you it means me it means Mother Teresa it means the Pope it means the Dalai Lama <laughs> if, if everyone according to um, to Romans 3.23 has sinned and everyone has fallen short, that means everyone. And everyone needs God. And the problem with sin is that it separates us from God, doesn't it? It says in Isaiah 59, your sins are a roadblock between you and God. There's a separation and that's why he sent a saviour. Okay, let's go to the next one. 
Jesus came to save you for a purpose. Now, this is really good news. I love good news. I hope you love good news too. We, we, look, we watch on the TV and there's so much that's depressing and, and going wrong with the world. And in a sense, it's other people who are just like us, who are struggling with life. And in some places, it's going more wrong than in other places. We have a personal problem. It's, we have to deal, as Joel was saying, not just with the issue of eternity, but how that we live now. And not by struggling to live this perfect life in our own strength, but by surrender to God and bringing, allowing him to bring upon us what he wants to give. Even the Apostle Paul, 2,000 years ago, struggled with how he was living. In Romans 7, he says, I've, this is uh, from the message version, he says, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? And then there's a little pause and he says to himself and to us, the answer, thank God, is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ can and does fulfill that role. We often try to find answers in the wrong places. It's not an appeal, it's not a program, it's not jumping into another relationship, it's a sin problem. And we deal with that directly with God by inviting him in. Okay, Jesus saved you for a purpose. Sorry, Jesus came to save you by his grace. So what does grace mean? Well, grace means that you and I are not really deserving of what God wants to give. But that's actually good news. It means you don't have to earn it. You really don't have to earn it. It means you can't buy your way into heaven. You can't outperform other people and get ahead of the queue and get your place into heaven, despite all the stories we've been told. You can never be good enough to get into heaven because heaven's perfect and you and I are not. And this is what Warren says. He says, if I'm going to get into heaven, I'm going to have to depend on getting in, in someone, on someone else's ticket. To put it another way, you and I can only live a life, of a, a life of significance. We can only reach heaven on what Jesus has done. There's a part in me which would love to do it in my own strength. And I'm sure that most, if not all, of you have a part of that as well. If I could only perfect this part of my life, <laughs> then I would be worthy of heaven and God's presence. <coughs> But it's different from that. And this is what the Bible says in Ephesians 2.8. It is by grace, by the free gift of God, that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Not by works. Why? So that no one can boast. 
It says elsewhere in the Bible, if we're going to boast, we boast about Jesus. We don't depend on our uh, boasting about ourselves. So finally, the good news of Christmas is that God has sent us a saviour. Jesus Christ came to offer you eternal life, but he's come to offer you so much more. And if you haven't already begun the journey, it starts now. He came to save you from what will stop you going into eternity. He came to save you from your hurts, from your habits, from your hang-ups, from the injuries that you've done to yourself, from the injuries that other people have done to you. And you know, you know as well as I do that they can be significant. They can be significant. And he came to save us from all of that. When Jesus came to earth, he came as a baby, but he didn't stay a baby. Let's celebrate that wonderful coming of Jesus Christ as a child. But he grew up, he became a man, he died for our sins on the cross. And then he was resurrected, he came alive again. And that's why we, came, we celebrate Christmas. You see, Jesus Christ was the original gift. God's gift to earth for everyone but not just a generic way as you're sitting in your seat right now you need to know that God's gift is for you personally it's for you to enter eternity isn't that a wonderful thing to know for a fact and not be prideful but know for a fact that God wants you there with him. He's inviting you into that with him. But also, for all the things that he will add into your life in the meantime, from the time that you give your life to him to entering that eternity. I was 26 when I gave my life to Jesus, when this very, very skeptical person, who had a lot of stuff, but not the right stuff, <laughs> was invited to give my life to Jesus. And I thought, you know what? This is what I need. And I stepped forward and, and I said, you've got to understand, I'm not joining a denomination. I'm joining God, I'm joining Jesus. And they said, that's wonderful. <laughs> I thought they would be displeased, but they were, they were full of joy that it wasn't about being religious. It wasn't about becoming a member of a denomination per se but it was joining my life to Jesus. And from the age of 26 when I did that to now, there has not been one day when I regretted that decision. Not one part of one day, never. I find that incredible, but that's the incredible nature of God's love and God's life that he wants to give us. So I'll finish with a prayer, and if you have never prayed a prayer of commitment to Jesus, then I just invite you to say it. In fact, I'd like to ask everyone to pray it. It's very, very short. And this is it. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, thank you for coming as our saviour. Not only for the whole world, but specifically for me. I open my life to you 
and the salvation you offer. Come and save me, Lord. Amen. And there's a reassurance in the Bible in Romans 10.13. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So my assurance to you is that if you called on the name of the Lord Jesus today, you too will be saved. And congratulations. <laughs> God bless you all and thank you for, uh, for listening. And I hope you enjoy that salvation through the Christmas time. Bless you.